I want to take you back to the time of Moses. You remember Moses? The man called by God to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. This Moses who uh, had a staff that turned into a snake. This same Moses who sparred with Pharaoh. This same Moses whom God brought the plagues upon Egypt through this, this man. And Moses, you remember Moses, a.k.a. Charlton Heston, uh, going to the Red Sea, uh, parting it so that the nation of Israel could walk through on dry ground and then the waves uh, crashing down upon uh, Pharaoh's army. Well, it wasn't three months after they emerged from the Red Sea that the nation of Israel made it to Mount Sinai. You can read about it in Exodus 33, 34. And Moses goes up Mount Sinai to meet with God. And while he's up there receiving the Ten Commandments, receiving the law of God, the nation of Israel rebels first of, of many rebellions. And uh, Moses has been gone evidently too long. They think maybe a bear got him. Maybe he died of old age. We don't know what's going on out there. Um, we need a God that we can see and we can touch. Aaron, give us a God. Aaron was the second in command. And so they fashioned a golden calf. Uh, now later on, when Moses would question Aaron about what had happened, Aaron said, they brought all their gold to uh, me and I threw it in the fire and out popped this uh, calf. Well, we know that didn't just come out of nowhere. The people fashioned it uh, because they wanted a, a new God. They wanted to abandon the God who had delivered them out of Egypt, and they abandoned Moses, and they rebelled while Moses is up on top of Mount Sinai. Well, God tells Moses that this has happened. Moses comes down from the mountain, and he's furious. He's angry. He breaks the tablets that God had given him, and more than that, more importantly, God is angered. God is fired up, and his wrath is kindled against the people. But Moses intercedes for the people, and God relents in his wrath. And so Moses then goes back up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, to meet with God again and to, and to receive the tablets once again. By the way, after he punished the people, after they ground up the golden calf and, and uh, put all those th uh, the ground up pieces into the water and made the people drink it, okay? But then he goes back, Moses, to meet with God and he, as he's renewing this covenant that God had made with the nation of Israel, Moses says this in Exodus 33, uh, verse 18. Moses said, Please show me your glory. Now that's a, a, an odd thing to say. Please show me your glory. Now, time out. I would say that's a, a great thing to say, and it's a great thing to pray. In the days of coming here at Village Bible Church, we're going to have a, uh, an initiative of prayer. We want to be praying uh, this very thing. God, show us your glory. God, come, show your church your glory. Uh, Lord, uh, show my neighbor your glory. Uh, uh, Lord, show my sister in Christ your glory. This is a good prayer that uh, God's kingdom, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, show us your glory. We want to experience your glory. We want to bask in your presence. We want to do your will. And so this is a great prayer. And uh, Moses says, hey, Lord, please, show me your glory. Now listen to what God says to him. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you 
and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, does God have a face? Does God have a back? Does God have a a hand? We know that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But this language is here to help us understand the relationship that is going on here between God and between Moses. God says to him, "You, you can't see my face. You can't see the full weight of my glory. You can't stand before my face. And so I will pass before you. I will allow you to see my back. That word for back in the Hebrew and other places that word is used as um, being the place uh, that is afterwards or, or, or soon after or just following. It, it's, it's, it's the place where God once was. God says to him, I'll pass beside you. I'll take you and I'll put, I'll, I'll put you in the, this is interesting too, in the cleft of the rock. And, and Moses hides in the cleft of the rock. And maybe you know the hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Jesus is the cleft of the rock. And as we look back uh, on the unfolding of salvation uh, throughout history, and we see the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, he is the cleft of the rock. He is the one that we hide in. He is the one who we um, can come to and be in so that we might be able to stand before the very throne of God. It's Jesus Christ. He's the cleft of the rock. But he says, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by and then you can see the place where I once was. And so he renews his covenant that he made with the nation of Israel with Moses on Mount Sinai. Now this is so important and the reason why I bring it up is because in our psalm, Psalm 103, these very words are um, used. David uses these words to remind us of the graciousness, the goodness of this covenant-keeping God. And he says this, verse 6, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. There's Moses, there's the nation of Israel. Israelites are reading this, they understand it. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. There the words of God himself used in this psalm. We're in Psalm 103, and the title of this message is Remember, Part 2. Last time we were in this, we talked about the five benefits that one has when you come into a relationship with God. It's okay to ask what's in it for me. There are wonderful, amazing benefits for the people who who choose to follow after God, for the people who trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There are fantastic benefits, and we looked at those benefits in verses uh, 1 through 14. But this, I want you to remember this also. As God renews his covenant uh, with Moses and the nation of Israel, he renewed his covenant with David. 
In Psalm 89, just a few pages back, David sings about this, this this covenant that God had with him and that this covenant would be renewed with him as king over Israel. He had a covenant with God. And then that covenant would come into fruition that God would raise up the Messiah from the, the kingly line of David. And that Messiah is Jesus Christ the Lord. So that today, you then now are connected in the new covenant to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Moses. The God of David. uh, The maker of heaven and earth. And that by believing, you might experience this steadfast love. This covenant love that is so incredible that God has for us. And so I want to look at it today, and I, and I kind of want to frame it in this way. I want to frame it in the, um, I got some good news and I got some bad news for you, okay? And um, I'm going to be focusing in on verses 15 through 18, and I'll, I'll give you the bad news first. I'm not going to give you a choice. I'm just going to give you the bad news first. But this bad news is, is bad news, okay? Um, but let it sink in, let it hit you, because it makes the good news all the more sweeter. It makes the steadfast love of the Lord so good, so good. Verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Okay, the first part, there's two parts to this bad news. The first part is this. Everyone is going to die. Life is short. I mean, that's what David's saying here in his song. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. We used to have flowers. We used to have tulips. And I remember they would come up sometimes very early on in the springtime, maybe even into late February. They might poke up and start coming up. And and then we would get nailed with some snow and some ice and some cold. And those tulips, which made a promising start, would be gone just like that. That's what we are compared to as for man as for women our days are like grass we're like a flower of the field everyone is going to die life is short now we all know that we're going to die we all know really too that life is short the longer that we live the the we look back over the years and they just keep flying by faster and faster and faster our kids are growing up they're leaving the house the grandkids are being born and then they're growing up and they're getting older and then they're having kids and we know that death is right around the corner for all of us but we live in in uh, kind of denial that it's actually going to happen to us don't we So maybe if you're some of the oldest people on the planet, you live with this part of this bad news. Everyone is going to die. Life is short. You know it. You live with it. It's a daily thing. Maybe you're Kane Tanaka of Japan, the oldest living woman today as of this sermon. She is 117 years, 223 days old. And uh, the oldest man is Saturnino de la Fuente, who is of Spain, 111 years and 186 days old. Now, if you're one of these two, you're very old, um, you know, you got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel, you understand this part of the bad news, that life is uh, short. But the reality is we all kind of are living like that. We are all kind of balancing on the banana peel. 
I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but it is true. You're going to be gone soon. Aren't you glad you tuned in this morning, today? Aren't you glad you heard this? You're going to be gone. Life is short. You like the grass or the flower of the field. Um, this is bad news, but, but I'm telling you this because God's Word tells us this. In order for us to see how good the steadfast love of God is, we got to realize our reality. Remember that we are but dust. So I'm telling you this, and if I weren't to tell you this, you would be upset with me too. It, it would be um, as if I was giving you a ride in my car, and I go and pick you up at your house in your neighborhood, and I leave your road and drive out of your neighborhood on the road that you know. You go on it every single day, and there's a huge pothole, and you don't say anything about it. And we hit that pothole, and it breaks the car, it breaks the rims, it, it, it uh, shakes the engine out of the engine block, and we're broken down on the side of the road. Like, why didn't you tell me this pothole is here? We're just down the road from your house. Didn't you know it was here? You say, sure, yeah, I knew it was here, but we were having such a good conversation, and the, the sun was shining, and it was such a nice day out, and I didn't want to be uh, pessimistic. I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer, so I just didn't mention it. I would say, what's your problem? you got to tell me it you got to tell me what was coming, what's up ahead, and God does that with us. We will all face death soon, and in the grand scheme of things, it's right around the corner, and when we die, we will face the judgment of God. Hebrews 9.27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. This is part of the reality of life. It will end. Life is short. Now the second thing that David says, and I'd say it's a bad news thing, is not only that life is short, um, but that the world is going to forget that you ever lived. Verse 16, For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. The world is going to forget that you ever lived. Now unless you're some buddy who is at the top of your profession uh, we're talking like in the top two in the whole world if 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 you're that you might be remembered for some time you might be written about in the history books if you invented uh the light bulb or if you like al gore invented the internet you will be remembered for a while but but that too is fleeting that too will be stored in some library somewhere and, and shut and sealed off and forgotten. Even they will be forgotten, but the average person really will be forgotten fast. Let me give you a test to see, see if it's true for you and your family. Think about your mom and dad. You know who your mom and dad are? Good. How about grandma and grandpa? You know them? Your grandma and grandpa. Your papa and nani. Your grandpop and mimi or whatever name that you called them. You, you all probably can think of them. You know them well. How about great-grandma and great-grandpa? Do you, do you know them? I know my great-grandma and great-grandpa not because I ever met them. I never did meet them. But because of pictures that I've seen and because of some of the stories that I've heard from, from family. And so I know a little bit about them. Admittedly, not much, but I do know a little bit about, I know their names, my great-grandparents on either side. Now, how about your great, great, 
grandparents. If we were live in the same, same room together, I would, I would ask you to raise your hand if you can remember your great-great-grandparents. And um, there'd be very few of you that would be able to tell me anything about your great-great-grandparents. I can, I can barely tell you anything about my great-great-grandparents. I can tell you a little bit about maybe where they were from, but my information is about five seconds worth, and I got nothing. And that's just a couple of generations. That's just a few generations back. That's not, and that's my family. Those are the ones that I would consider to be near and dear to me, and they're already forgotten. I'm here to tell you, and I'm sorry, it's bad news, but you're going to be forgotten by the world. The, this place will remember you no more, and that is a depressing thought. I'm not going to lie to you. That is a depressing thought. We all want to be remembered. What did the thief on the cross say to Jesus? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We want to be remembered. But the reality is we will die, and the place that we live will forget about us. Pancho Villa was a Mexican revolutionary, and he was uh, such an outlaw that was hard to catch and hard to kill, but he did end up getting shot. And as he was dying, his friends gathered around him, his compadres gathered around him, and he couldn't think of anything to say. He hadn't prepared himself for that moment. He didn't think it was ever going to come. And so as he died, he, he said this, quote, Don't let it end like this. Tell them I said something good. End quote. My friend, the reality of our frailty is that life is short, and this place will not remember us for very long. Even if you have some great final last words. But, there is good news. And by the way, I love that conjunction, but, verse 17 right here, but, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. But, but, so it is true that we're going to die. It is true that life is short. It is true that this place will remember you no more. But, the steadfast love of God is everlasting. And what he's saying here, and it's to you who fear him. It's to you who keep his covenant. It's to you who to remember to do his commandments. It's to you who have taken upon yourself that covenant of God. The covenant which God entered into uh, with Moses on Mount Sinai. The steadfast love of the Lord lasts forever. God is a covenant-keeping God. All throughout the pages of Scripture, He is keeping His covenant. See, He made a covenant with Noah. You remember that covenant? You've maybe seen the sign recently of it. It's the rainbow in the sky, the covenant sign that He will uh, keep His covenant. He will not flood the earth any longer. God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would be their God, that they would be his people, that he would bless them and make them numerous, that he would watch over them, that he would make them a blessing to every other nation on the earth. How? Because the Messiah was coming to be born from the line of David, who he also has a covenant with. And now, Jesus says at the Last Supper, this is my blood, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it 
do this in remembrance of me. Jesus shed his blood, the new covenant, so that you might enter into the presence of God, not by the blood of goats or the blood of lambs or by the blood of any other sacrifice, but by the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He has promised everlasting life. You who would keep your covenant, you would come into a covenant with Jesus, you would trust in Him, not in yourself, that you would have faith that He died for you and that He rose again and that you would call on His name and the words of Scripture would be true for you that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It was the final game of the 1972 season, Major League Baseball. Roberto Clemente was a great player for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He had a cannon of an arm. He had 2,999 hits going into this final game of the season. And the announcer for the Pittsburgh Pirates was going down into the locker room before the game, and he saw the scorecard that the manager had filled out, and he didn't see Roberto's name on the scorecard. He, he thought that was odd, and he went into the locker room, and he saw Roberto. He said, hey, Roberto, why aren't you playing today? And Roberto said, well, management said that, you know, since I have 2,999 hits, they thought maybe it would be a better way to sell tickets if we just uh, advertised it in the offseason that I would be getting my 3,000th hit next year. So I'm just going to sit out this game and wait until next year. And the announcer said to Roberto, Roberto, you can't do that. You've got to go out and play. You never know if you're going to get another at-bat. You never know if you're going to get another chance to play another game. So Roberto Clemente went out and played that game. And in the sixth inning, he hit a double. And he stood at second base and he tipped his cap, one of the very few to hit 3,000 career base hits. Well, the season ended, and it wasn't too long after that that Roberto Clemente died in an airplane crash. He was heading down to Nicaragua to bring uh, supplies down to earthquake-stricken people there, and his plane went down, and he died. You never know when you're going to get another chance to get another hit. You never know when you're getting another day. You never know when you're going to have another breath. I wouldn't be doing my job as a shepherd of your soul to tell you that there's coming a day that you're going to have to stand before God and give an answer and give an account for your life. And you can try to answer for your life. You can try to say the good outweighed the bad. You can try to point to this and point to that. And you can hope that he'll say, well, forget about the bad, just come on in. Or you can turn to the one who died for your sin. You can turn to Jesus Christ, who was a propitiation in your place. That's the gospel in four words. In my place. That he died for you. That if you would believe in him, the righteousness of God would be given to you, would be credited to your account, so that when you stand before God, he won't see your sin. No. He sees Christ's righteousness. Would you turn to Jesus 
and be saved. This is the steadfast love of God that he has for you. Chesed. It is a loyal love. It is a covenant-keeping love. When you enter into this faith in Jesus Christ, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you go. This is the kind of love that's not based on your performance. No, it's based on God's own character. Trust in him and then sing today with David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name.